And today I want to share a message with you called Keep Your Heart. Keep Your Heart. I want you just to turn to the person next to you and just in a really encouraging and positive way, just say, hey, keep your heart. Like, don't say it in a way where you're kind of implying that you don't want their hearts and so they should just keep it to themselves. Don't say it negatively. Just say it in a really positive way like, hey, man, just keep your heart. Um, so... I want to I I speak to you about keeping your heart, about guarding your heart today, because oftentimes as we put a demand on the things that God has called us to do, sometimes sacrificial things, sometimes difficult things, sometimes things that are difficult for our flesh, um, as we begin to do that, we can often focus on a little bit of the protocol. We can become a little bit religious around this. Here at Anchor Church, uh, we try to be as irreligious as possible um, in, in the sense that we don't just want to follow a formula. We don't just want to uh, go through a, a process or a procedure that, that, that is kind of a formula that we're trying to work. We want to engage heart and soul with God and His Spirit and His guidance and the work that He does in our hearts. And so we, just, we don't just want a protocol of giving. Sometimes when we talk about giving, people go, well, what's the protocol? How should I give? How am I supposed to do this? And, and when we talk about serving, people say, well, you know, how many hours do I need to serve? To serve? What's the minimum kind of standard requirement to be officially serving? Um, can I just do that? Can I just do the minimum? Um, and then I'm kind of, I am serving, or, or, or how should I pray? I mean, what is, how many, how long, and, and what should I say, and, and how do I know that I'm doing all these things correctly? And so people begin to focus on that, and those uh, are good questions for us to ask and to chat about, but today I want to talk about what the most important element of all of this is. We call this series, and what we're doing right now is Heart for the House, and so what I want to focus on is your heart, because your heart is the most important thing about you and what you do. You live your life from the platform, from the basis, from the motivation of your heart and what's going on on the inside of your heart. And so the Bible often talks to us about our hearts and about what's happening on the inside of us and about us being honest about what's happening on the inside rather than just putting on a performance on the outside. Come on, we wanna be authentic in our faith, authentic in our walk, authentic in our relationships, not just putting on a show. We're not here at Anchor Church to put on a show of holiness. We're here at Anchor Church so that we can engage authentically with God's process and plan for our lives. Amen? That's why we're here this morning. And so I wanna talk to you about our heart, our heart for the house. What's happening in your heart is the most important thing about what you do. The Bible says that everything that we do comes from this platform of what's happening in your heart. A well-known scripture in Proverbs 4 that I wanna start off with today. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter number four. Just go kind of right in the middle of your Bible, somewhere around there. If you land in the Psalms, you're close. Just kind of skip a couple more pages and you'll be there. Um, so Proverbs 4, written by Solomon, who was David's son, and he was known for his wisdom. God gave him a prayer request at one point and said, if you ask me anything, I will give it to you. And he could have asked for wealth, he could have asked for power, he could have asked for influence, but instead he asked for the one thing that would probably give him all of those other things as well, which was wisdom. And he prayed for wisdom. And the Bible says that when we need wisdom, then we can ask and God would just pour it out into our lives. And so um, he asked for wisdom and he wrote these words um, in Proverbs 4 verse 23. He says, keep your heart. Everybody say, keep your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all discipline, for out of, or all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. 
In another translation, it says it like this. You may have heard it in this version. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else that you do, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. That's the platform from which we live. When last did you ask yourself, what's happening in my heart? What's happening on the inside of me? What am I thinking about? What am I feeling? Am I guarding my heart and keeping my heart with all diligence? We also need some good friends around us to ask us that question. How's your soul? What's happening in your heart? What is Jesus saying to you? And it's so important um, that we do that. And so I'm gonna go ahead and pray this morning and then we're gonna just talk about keeping your heart. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much this morning that we get to be here in your presence, experiencing your goodness, knowing that you love us, knowing that we've been made righteous, Lord God, by our faith in Christ Jesus, knowing this morning, Lord God, that there is nothing that separates us from your love. Thank you, God, that every single one of us in this place have been called to be here. We're not here by coincidence, Lord God. We're here because you have got something that you want to impart into our lives, and we pray that today you would impart all that you have prepared for us, Lord God, that that seed would fall on fertile soil, that it would take root in our hearts, that it would produce a mighty harvest in our lives, and God, that we would live our lives from a platform of changed hearts. We thank you, God, that as our hearts change, you give us the ability to reach out into a city and to see more hearts and lives changed as well. And we just give you the honor, we just give you the glory, we just submit ourselves to you, Lord, and thank you wholeheartedly that we get to do this, that we get to be in this position, and that we get to hear from your spirit and be changed by your word. And we give you all of the glory today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So uh, when I was uh, 19 years old, um, I decided that I wanted to go and study theology in the U.S., And so I made all my plans at a university um, in the U.S., and I had enrolled, and um, I had kind of uh, researched this course, and I was ready to uh, get onto an airplane and and go overseas and spend three or four years over there uh, getting my degree in theology. And in the kind of few months between when we end our school year here in South Africa and when the academic year starts in the US, it's about nine months because they normally start around September. I needed to find a job. And uh, obviously, I was, I was actually 18 at the time, unqualified, uh, you know, didn't, it just came, came straight out of school. And I wanted to go and get a job so that I could save up some money so, to take with me um, to America. And so um, I couldn't find one right off the bat. I phoned a bunch of churches. The church I was, had served at didn't have a position for me. I wanted to be in ministry. Uh, nobody kind of just surprisingly just hires people that phone into the reception and be like, hey, can you give me money to do stuff? Um, you know, nobody wanted to do that. And so eventually went through a recruitment agency and got a job at Standard Bank, um, which was the uh, great company and all. But for me and my personality, I ended up in, um, in, in, in lost and stolen cards and authorizations, literally that guy that you speak to when you've lost your card or you've just been robbed. And, um, or you're trying to buy something and it's saying that it costs too much and so you have to phone the bank. I was the guy on the other side of the line and it was soul destroying. Just to be honest with you, for me and my personality, to have a phone strapped to my head is pretty much the worst thing you could do to me. It's like Chinese torture. You might as well be dripping drops of water on my head uh, while I sleep. So, um, so I was working in, in Standard Bank in the call center and I was there for, for those nine months as I was preparing to uh, go overseas and to study. And um, I remember something that happened while I was working there. 
uh, where there was uh, one young guy who also worked on the floor. There was about 200 employees who worked on the floor there, and uh, he resigned. He got another job, and he resigned, and as it is with all uh, you know, of our uh, positions of employment here in South Africa, when you resign, you're required to work out a leave period of about 30 days normally, depending on how long you've worked. And so he had this resignation, this leave period, where he had to work in the call center for another 30 days, but very clearly his heart was no longer in it. Have you ever been in that position where you kind of have to finish off one season, but you can feel that your heart is no longer in it? And so it is a struggle. It's a struggle to get up in the morning. It's a struggle to go to your desk. It's a struggle to you know, do what needs to be done. And oftentimes we really have to motivate ourselves to finish well and to finish strong because our hearts already begin to move on before we physically moved on to the next thing. And you can see that, it's so evident. The people around you can notice it, your employer can notice it, people can, can see when your heart is no longer in it, and you could clearly see with this guy who worked in Standard Bank in the call center that his heart was no longer in it. You could see he just absolutely didn't want to be there. Um, from the, the tone of voice with which he answered the phone, you could hear he didn't want to be there. The, the amount of time it took him, to deal, to, to, took him to, to deal with each new query, the, even the way he walked from the lunchroom to his desk changed the moment his heart wasn't in it anymore. Everything about how he worked changed the moment his heart was out. And so at one point, um, he had a bit of a disagreement with HR. I'm not exactly sure what the disagreement was about, probably about his uh, poor work ethic in those last few days. And so he got a little bit mad, and what he decided one day to do was to redirect all of the calls that came through to him. And so as those calls came through, he said, okay, if you, need, if you want to deal with this query, here's a number that you need to phone. But he gave them the number of the Johannesburg Zoo. And so people phone in because their card has been stolen. It's like, okay, you need to phone this number with your query, and then you need to ask for a Mr. G. Raff, okay? A Mr. G. Raff at the, at the Johannesburg Zoo. And so people would phone because their card is stolen, and then they would, they would phone the Joburg Zoo, and they would go, hi, can I please speak to a Mr. G. Raff? And so within an hour, HR came in and said, pack your stuff, you're out, you're gone. Not necessarily the best way, but it was effective. <laughs> My point, though, is that your heart is more evident than you realize. Your heart will affect your behavior in a bigger way than what you possibly give it credit for. Everything that you do is motivated by the heart and the attitude and the spirit that you carry with you as you do that. You can see the difference between a person that has a revelation of what God has, has called them to do in the way that they serve, in the way that they give, in the way that they love. You can, it doesn't mean we don't go through dips and challenges emotionally and all the rest, but when you know that God has called you for something, when your heart is passionate about this thing that God has designed you to do, we can all see the difference. The people around you can see that there is something happening in your life. It's something that I often say to people that come into Anchor Church, and in the beginning, oftentimes they'll be a little bit detached. They're just kind of scanning this thing and just, just analyzing a little bit and figuring out if it's for them. And as God begins to engage their heart, we see people switched on. We see people become passionate. Before you know it, they're running around just doing whatever needs to be done. You don't have to ask them to do things. They just, they just take ownership and they get it done because their hearts are in it. 
And it's so amazing how evident our hearts are in everything that we do, whether it's, a, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a project, or whether it is your faith. You can tell people about your faith, but if you don't believe it in your heart, it won't influence anyone. It's an amazing thing. People wanna know what's in your heart. Do you really believe? Do you really stand with? Do you really uh, back your own uh, confessions as you live your life? And so this is what Solomon refers to in the Proverbs where he says that everything that you do, all the issues of life flows out of your heart. Everything that you do is colored, your perspective is colored by what's happening in your heart. What's happening in your heart essentially is like putting on a pair of, of, of sunglasses or um, putting on lenses through which you see life. The moment I put these lenses on, everything looks different. Struggling to see some of you in the background now, but everything looks different because there is a lens that colors your view. And essentially, what you believe in your heart is like this lens. What you believe, the truth that God has spoken to you, the way that you understand your own calling, the way that you understand your own life is completely colored by what you believe in your heart. And so, it is vital, Solomon says, that you keep your heart with all diligence that you guard your heart, that you think about what you're thinking about, that you look into what it is that's developing on the inside of you. So I wanna start off by asking the question this morning, what is your heart and how can you keep it? What is your heart and how can you keep it? How can we be diligent to keep our hearts? How can we guard our hearts? When the Bible refers to the heart, we know that traditionally that is talking about your spirit, the core of you. The, it's not actually talking about your physical heart. Uh, sometimes that's a little bit confusing. He's not actually talking about, you know, just making sure that you eat right. Or that is a good advice, you know, eat right to guard your heart. But not, not just talking about that. It's talking about the core of who you are. And the core of who we are as people is our spirit. You see, when God formed man, he formed Adam from the dust of the ground. He was a body, and God gave him a soul, and then God breathed into him. It says that Adam was this being that God had created. He had, in the Greek word, it's bios. He had biological life, just like trees and plants have biological life. But he did not yet have the zoe kind of life, the, the God kind of life, the spirit of God. And then what God did was, after he had formed Adam, it says God breathed into his nostrils. That word breath is the word ruach, which is the same word for wind or spirit in the Bible. So God created a physical being, but then he breathed a spirit from his own spirit, uncreated to, uncre to, to created and to, and to eternal. So our physical bodies are temporary, our physical bodies uh, are, are, are finite, but what God did was he breathed his eternal spirit into us. And so there's eternal life or a life after this physical one for all of us. It's uncreated. It's part of that uncreated substance of God that was deposited. That is what separates us as human beings from every other living thing, is that God created us in his image. And when it spoke about image, not just what he looks like physically, but in his spiritual creation. He created us as spiritual beings. So all of us have a spirit or are a spirit. You have you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. 
So those are the three parts that make us up as people. And when we normally talk about spirit, we understand the spiritual man is that part of us which died because of spiritual death, died because of sin, but which Jesus, when we put our faith in him, he regenerated. He caused us to come back to life. He raised us from the dead. When it says that, it doesn't mean that we were raised physically from the dead, although we will be in the time to come. It is talking about that our spirits have been renewed. We've become new creations on the inside of us the moment we put our faith in Jesus. And so we understand that, that our spirit is made new, it's made righteous, it's made perfect in Christ. But what we see in the scriptures, and this is where it gets really, really interesting, is that when it talks about the heart, it doesn't only talk about the spirit. It actually uses the word heart interchangeably for both your spirit and your soul. Because you also have a soul. And your soul is, is the seat of your personality. It's what makes you unique. It is your mind, your will, your emotions, and how all of those things interact uniquely within you. And God designed that. God made you the way that you are. He gave you the strengths that you have and the unique insight that you have and, and the abilities that you have and the way that you think God has given us those things as gifts because he has a unique purpose for each of us. And so when the scriptures say, guard your heart, he's not just talking about your spiritual life and your walk with God, but guard your mind, guard your will, guard your emotions. And so it's, it's, it's more than just your spiritual life, it's your soul life as well. Guard what you're thinking about. Our souls, our will, our mind, and our emotions are impacted upon by this world. This life has a way of putting pressure on what we think, causing us to doubt, causing us to be insecure, causing us to worry, causing us to experience anxiety. The world puts pressure on what you think. It puts pressure on what you feel. It, it, it can bend your will. That, that's essentially what marketing is. And, and in this day and age, we can't look left or right without being marketed to. And it's all about bending your will. So the scripture says, God, what you're thinking about. Keep with all diligence what's happening in your emotions. Keep with all diligence how you are allowing your will to be affected by the outside world. This is essentially what we looked at in Romans 12. In Romans 12 too, Paul writes this, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. It has a track that it wants to get you onto. It wants you to think a certain way and feel a certain way and live a certain way. But Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, here it is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, that mind element will affect how you live, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. You'll be able to test and know, well, this is God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So our spirits have been made perfect before Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that. That is your position in Christ that cannot be changed. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you are perfect. You are perfect in Christ. And when Paul writes his letters, and oftentimes he's writing letters to churches that are messing up and doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and he opens up the letter by going, hey, all of you amazing, blameless, righteous, holy, perfect people. That's how he starts his letters. And he goes, you've got to stop doing the stuff that you're doing. <laughs> because your spiritual reality is that you are seated in heaven with Christ, made completely 
right with God. That's who you are. But it's our souls that need renewing. It's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotion that sometimes gets out of sync with the will of God and starts living according to outside input as opposed to the truth of who you are in Christ. So are you living from the inside out, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life, or are you living from the outside in, being affected by the pattern of this world? What is making you think the way that you think? Is it the truth of Christ on the inside? or what you see in this world. And the scripture says that what we need is a daily dose, a constant flow of truth, of God's truth into our hearts and into our lives. I remember that there was a story of, of the Coca-Cola company in Brazil that had such a massive market share in Brazil that they said that even if they stopped all marketing and saved millions and millions of dollars, no longer marketing to the people of Brazil, that they would never lose their market share. They are so popular, there is no way that any competitor could ever meet them in the country of Brazil. And so Coca-Cola decided to downscale all of their marketing in Brazil, and I think it was within months, within like three or four months, Pepsi had overtaken them in the market share because there wasn't a constant flow of information. Now, what constant flow are you allowing? Because you are going to hear something. You cannot lock yourself into a room and just live in a vacuum. You are going to be influenced by something. And the scripture says that we must be diligent to be influenced by the right things. So what is flowing into your life? What are you hearing? What are you, what are you surrounding yourself with? In order for us to live from the inside out rather than from the outside in, we need a constant flow of God's truth in our lives and in our hearts. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel, hearing the truth of God's grace, being reminded of who you truly are. This is vitally important for us to live these kinds of lives. And I love how the scriptures say that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword being able to cut down to where the soul and the spirit meet. I just love the imagery there, that there is a meeting place between your soul and your spirit. And let me tell you, I've been a Christian for a long time, it's difficult sometimes to discern what, where that line is, what the, the dividing line between soul and spirit is. Sometimes we're like, am I hearing God or is this just what I feel? Have you ever had that? Like, I think I heard God's voice. Okay, maybe I'm just hungry. I don't know. You know, it's like, we sometimes don't know where the soul and the spirit meet and it's only God's word and his truth that is able to cut down and divide what is spirit and what is soul. And so we need that influence in our lives. And so we see that when God speaks to us in scriptures, when it says that when God speaks to us, where he communicates is to the spirit, to the heart. He speaks to our spirit. Now he appeals to our soul. He appeals to our mind. He appeals to our emotions. We experience God emotionally. Oftentimes in worship, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm led to tears because of just the experience of God. So he does communicate in all those ways. But when God speaks to you primarily, he speaks to your heart. The heart of man is the candle of the Lord. It's where he illuminates and, and brings light. And so he communicates here deep within and his spirit bears witness with our spirit. In Romans 8, 16, it says, the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. 
the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so he speaks to people go, how do I know if I'm a child of God? Well, there'll be an inner witness in your heart. You go, well, I know. I know because the Spirit informs me deep down. John 10, 27, Jesus speaks about those that will believe in him and he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. People are often worried about whether or not they can hear God's voice, but Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. I'll speak to them and they'll follow me. This is a promise, it's a, it's a fact, it's what happens when you belong to God. So we do hear the voice of God and he is a God who speaks and he is a God who guides and he is a God who informs and, and, and brings truth into our hearts. But the problem is sometimes our souls are too loud. The God is speaking, but can we hear over the noise of what our souls are producing and what is happening on the outside? I don't know if this happens, I think this might just be a guy thing. Um, but whenever I need to follow directions in the car, I first need to turn the radio down. Is that, am I the only one who does that? Especially when I feel like I'm lost. When I am lost, the first port of call is the radio goes off. Okay, now I need to focus, right? I cannot sing songs and listen to this music while also sorting my life out, okay? I need to switch it down. And so sometimes we feel like God isn't speaking or guiding or leading, but actually what's happening is the radio is too loud. And you can't focus on all of your emotions and what your mind is running to and fro and your emotions are going crazy and, and your will wants to do that and you wanna fix your own problems and you wanna move into your own strength and you're like, if I don't do this and if I don't do this and if I don't do this, then this is never gonna happen. And we get so loud, the radio gets turned up louder and louder and louder. We, we, what the Bible actually says to us is be still and know that I am God. Be still, rest. When you don't know which way to turn, rest. I always tell my, my kids, if, if you get lost, if we're walking somewhere and you get lost, just stay where you are. I'll come and find you. Don't walk around and try and find me because then I'm never gonna be able to find you. And in the same way, when we don't know what the next step is, the thing that we're supposed to do is just rest in what God told us to do last. Just to stay there and know that he will find us at the right time and take us on to the next thing. So sometimes we feel like we don't hear God or we feel like he isn't speaking, but the actual problem is our souls are just too loud. And this is why following Jesus, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. Following Jesus is death to self because it means denying sometimes what your thoughts want are telling you to do or, or telling your emotions how to feel or, or, or settling your will or submitting your will to God and saying, God, and, and that word submit, I love the word submit. It has such a negative connotation for so many of us, but, but submit means sub is under, like a submarine under the water. Like sub means under, and it comes from the word submission. Mission is, is the mission that God has. So to submit to God's will means to get under the mission of what God has called you to do, to allow him to lead you into what he has planned for your life. We've got to tune out everything that isn't from God. And that's the way we are called to live as Christians. We're called to live according to the truth of God's word as he reveals it to our spirit. So your spirit is the core, it's the inner, and God speaks there. Now you have a truth in your heart. This is who I am. This is who Jesus is, ha has caused me to be. And this is what I am called to do. That's the truth of who you are. That's your core. But then your mind 
and your will and your emotions have been affected by the outside world. And what you need to do then is that you need to have your spirit and your Christ identity inform your soul. You need to bring the, your will and your thoughts and, 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 and your, your emotions into submission to the truth of what God has spoken to you. So for example, very, very easy example, very practical example, if you are, wake up in the morning and you feel worthless, anybody ever woken up in the morning and go, why am I even alive? I have those mornings sometimes. When you feel worthless, you have all these feelings and these thoughts and you go, but I am the righteousness of God by my faith in Christ Jesus. And there is nothing that can separate me from the love that God has for me. And, and God has called me for a great purpose. Every one of my days was ordained before there was even one of them. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I were to number them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. So you take your thoughts and your feelings about being unworthy and you bring it into submission to the truth. And all of a sudden there is an alignment that happens in your life. And then from that submitted soul, guess what changes? Your behavior. Because you live out of the heart flow the issues of life. So you will live from that platform. So if you have a submitted platform, your actions will be a lifestyle of righteousness. Isn't that incredible? And that's the process of sanctification. Informing our souls which affects our behavior. Too many pastors, when people come into churches, they say, I want you to change your behavior. I want you to change what you're doing. Doing this is wrong and doing that is wrong and, and, and you should never be doing that and that's all fine and it can be totally true but unless you help a person understand who they are in Christ first beyond their behavior, their behavior will never change. In fact, all you'll be doing is heaping condemnation upon them and condemnation will kill all confidence that they have to do the things God has called them to do and the end state of that person will be worse than the, at the beginning. So we're not here to heap on condemnation and tell you, change, do this, don't do that, do that. We're here to tell you, this is who you are in Christ. So how, do, how about you sit yourself down and have a chat with yourself about who you are in Christ. And as your soul comes into alignment with the truth, your behavior will automatically begin to change. That's how it works. That's how we call to live as Christians from the inside out. The world, however, will always be turning the radio up. The devil will always try to shout louder and louder and louder through the temptations of this world. And the temptation is for us to live according to what we see, what we hear, and what we perceive in the natural. And so when we don't renew our minds, renew our spirit, renew our soul, we're not keeping our heart. You say the question, well, now that I know what my heart is, it's my spirit and it's my soul, how do I keep it? You keep it by bringing it into alignment with the truth, by preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, and Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your spirit, and with all your soul, your will, your mind, and your emotions, and with all your mind. You see, when we serve God, we serve him wholeheartedly, completely. It's not a compartmentalized little portion of our lives that we say, well, this little section can be religious. Sundays can be religious. I'll make Sundays religious. No, with every part of your being, that's how we serve Him. So I want to help you out this morning by giving you three quick things that will 
weaken your heart. That's showing you what will weaken your heart so that you can be diligent to guard against these things. So what are three things that will weaken your heart that we should guard against? The first one, which is what I've been saying, is when you forget who you are. When you forget who you are, your heart will weaken. It will be susceptible to the outside influence of this world. When you forget the gospel, when you forget the fact that Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you, not because you're a good person, but precisely, precisely because you're a bad person. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the moment you can let go of that perception that God loves me because I'm good and God will keep loving me if I keep being good, the moment you can let go of that and go, God loves me as I am, he died for me while I was yet a sinner, that God is, is out to show the rebels and the God-haters and those that have run in the opposite direction how much He loves them, how much He is committed to them. The moment you realize that, it informs your identity. When you know that you are loved, your soul will flourish. Souls flourish, they, they blossom. It's like flowers planted in good soil. It will blossom, it'll bloom when it is in this good soil of God's love. So we need the gospel and the grace of God to inform our identity and then live and love and do everything from that basis. You see, even when we love others, this is such, I'm just gonna throw this one in for free. When we love others, right? The rest you can pay me for later. When we love others, just kidding, for the recording, okay. Um, <laughs> when we love others, we don't love them because they're lovely. That, that might help, that makes love easier sometimes, but we don't love people because they're lovely, we love them because we're loved by God. In other words, we as people receive the love of God, it informs our hearts, it informs our identity, and without anybody having to do anything to make them more deserving of love, we can choose to love even those that have shown harshness towards us. That's what the Bible says, Anybody can do good to those who do good to them and do evil to those who do evil to them. But if you know that God is really working in your life, you will bless those who persecute you and you will love those that insult you. That's an evidence that God is truly working in your life. Because we're no longer loving on the basis of the person's actions, we're loving on the basis of who we are in Christ. So don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. It will change the way that you live and it'll change the way that you love. Acts 17 verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. Everything that we do is informed by who we are in Christ. If you can live according to your righteousness in Christ, according to who you are by God's grace, your behavior will be affected. Like Charles Spurgeon said, right believing leads to right living. So here's what you need to do. If you have got a truth in your heart, but sometimes your, your mind and your will and your emotions and, and life just gets too much, this, this is basically what you need to do. And this is actually what we see in the scriptures. I'm just gonna take these two chairs right here. Is that we need to sometimes have a heart to heart with ourselves. And when I say heart to heart, I mean those two interchangeable parts of ourselves. So if you sit yourself down and you have a spirit, which is your heart, and you have the truth in your heart, 
And this is who you know that God has called you to be. This is who you know you are as the righteousness of Christ. And this is who God has, has called you to be. And you, so this is my heart, my spirit. I need to sometimes sit the other part of my heart, the other word, word for heart, my soul down. I need to sit my soul, my mind, my emotions down. And I need to begin to speak to myself. And that's what I want us to do in this month of November. I want us to have heart-to-hearts with ourselves. I want us to be able to, and, and this is actually something, this is how you should start your day. Every single day, you should sit yourself down and preach the gospel to yourself. Martin Luther says, every single Sunday, every single week, I preach the gospel to my people because every week they forget. We will go back to being led by our souls if we don't sit ourselves down and have that heart to heart. And this is what David does. In the Psalms, we see David speaking to his own soul. Look at this uh, verse in, in the book of Psalms 42, verse five. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's actually speaking to his own soul. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. He speaks to his own soul. He's preaching to his own soul. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So you can literally speak to your own soul and remind your soul to put its hope in God. That's the first thing. If, if, you're not, if you forget who you are, you're not God in your heart. The second thing is when you fail to forgive. When you fail to forgive. Taking offense and harboring bitterness in our souls, allowing the actions and the betrayals and the words and the offenses of others to determine how we act and how we respond and how we behave will drain you of all of your energy. It will turn up the radio. It's basically like turning up the radio full blast in your car. You're trying to follow directions. You're trying to go the direction that God has for your life. But the, you know when you turn it up so loud that your, that your rear view mirrors begin to vibrate, right? That's basically what you're doing when you harbor a fence. It's too loud. And so the Bible says, when you know the gospel, you know that you've been forgiven of a, of a debt far greater than anything you could have paid. So if you've been forgiven of, an, of a debt that was beyond your reach, forgive others. Jesus likens it to a man that was forgiven of three lifetimes worth of debt who then won't let his fellow man off of a hundred rand debt that he owed. So let us forgive if we want to be led by the Spirit and guard our hearts. Don't harbor bitterness in your heart. I remember when I used to play rugby at school, our coaches had a rule. Because sometimes when you're playing, uh, you'll have some players that will play dirty or they'll, you know, they'll punch you in the scrum or they'll you know, rub your head against the ground after they've tackled you or they'll just try and get under your skin in that way. And so, easy, so easily you become uh, uh, more focused on that player than what's happening in the game. You lose your perspective and you begin to focus on the wrong thing and that's why they do it. And so our coaches had a rule, if we notice from the sidelines that you have targeted one player or you've got some sort of revenge issue that you're working out on the field or you've lost focus on what you're supposed to do as a part of the whole, we're subbing you off. 
If you start to get into a vendetta with one other player, you're off the field because you've lost your place in the team. And that's what happens when we take offense. Because what you focus on is yourself and how you wanna justify yourself. And so you lose sight of what you're called to and what you're a part of. And so many people get offended in church, and, and I understand that I've been offended in church because church is real. It's real people living in real community in your own family. How many of you haven't been offended in your own family? All of us have been offended in our own families because it's family, it's life, it's real people, it's, it's imperfect people. But what's your heart? How do you guard your heart when offense arises? You forgive. You forgive and you commit. You cannot have community without commitment. So you have got to let go of those things. We've got to realize that we are a part of a bigger picture here and that we have way too many important things to do in the city to be distracted by the opinions of others. We're not gonna be held back because some people have a negative opinion or they have some words to say about us or the whispers of the detractors. We, we're gonna keep our eyes on what Jesus has called us to do. And I believe that people that want to be detracted, want to be negative about what God is doing in your life and here at Anchor Church are gonna find themselves in the future on the wrong side of history. That's one thing I'm always very careful about. When I say some things or when I, when I do certain things, I always wanna make sure that in the future I'm not found on the wrong side of history. You've got to trust in what God is doing. And that's what Gamaliel said when he said, hey, if these guys are of God, leave them alone. If they're not of God, it'll fail. But if it is from God and you fight against them, you find yourself on the wrong side of history. You find yourself fighting against God. So rather support them. So we've got to be quick to forgive. The final thing is when you put your hope in the wrong place. When you, when, you, when you forget who you are, when you fail to forgive, and when you put your hope in the wrong place, and we do this very much as, as a human race and as people. In Proverbs 13 verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you have hope for something and it fails you, it makes your heart feel sick, it weakens your heart. And many people in this life found themselves brokenhearted because they have put their trust in the wrong things. They've put their trust and their hope in the wrong things. They found their meaning and their significance and their value and their hope for the future in their career or in a relationship or in their bank accounts or in a specific friend or in a specific opportunity. And each of those things will, at some time or another, disappoint you. There is nothing that we can put our hope in that will not disappoint us except for Jesus, except for the gospel. And when it happens, they become sick in their hearts, they become weakened in their hearts. And that's why our hope, the Bible says our hope is an anchor for the soul. By the way, that's a great name for a church. Our hope is an anchor. The gospel is the anchor for our souls that keeps us in the presence of God. We live anchored in God's presence because of the gospel and we live from that place. We have put our hope in Jesus. It is sure and it is steadfast. It is solid, it is immovable, it is constant. Romans 5, 5 says, hope does not put us to shame. It doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our what? Our hearts. This hope that we have doesn't disappoint. It doesn't fail because it is poured out. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a deposit of hope through the Spirit that we have. And so we can face disappointment, we can face setbacks and never be dismayed because we know that God's love is constant. And so David, again, this scripture in, in Psalm 42, verse five, he says, why are you so downcast within me, O soul, and why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. Don't put your hope in the wrong place. If you wanna guard your heart, if you wanna be diligent about keeping your heart, make sure that you are hoping in the right thing, which is the gospel and Jesus and his love. And when you live from that platform, there is, a, there is an immovability, I don't know if that's a word, but there is this immovableness, that definitely is a word, um, <laughs> that you have that means that you won't be shaken in any setback, in any circumstance, and in, every mo- in, in any moment because you're not living according to the outside stimulus, you're living from this inner place. That's what it means to build your house on a rock, who is Jesus, so that even when the waves crash against it and the storm arrives and the the winds beat against it, your house will not fall. It's anchored in Jesus. That's what we have. We are anchored in Christ. And so I wanna encourage you this morning that the scriptures tells us that you are responsible for your own heart. Make a decision today. Let's just say this together. I'm finishing on this today. Say, I am responsible for my heart. We are. We're responsible for, your thoughts don't just happen to you. Your emotions don't just happen to you. You're not a victim or a prisoner to your own thoughts or your own will or your own emotions, you are free in Christ. So don't be a victim. Allow God's love to inform your heart about who you are. We're never gonna stop needing to guard our hearts. And so we need to look after ourselves and and be diligent to do these things. And uh, it's more valuable than what we can understand right now. So let's just go ahead and pray right now.